Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. And what do we mean by that? Well, you know what? Everybody's kind of living in an inversion. There's a perverter. His name is Satan. Things have been twisted. And so when we say turning worlds upside down, we're actually saying that the word of God, the truth of the kingdom of God, the truth of Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life himself, the bread of life himself, that when you grab a hold of him, your world is actually righted. And so it's kind of a play on words, you know, Um, people are already upside down. And so things will be turned right side up with the truth. And that's our goal. We're helping you do that. And we're encouraging you to get out there and go turn your cities upside down. Scriptural motivation and strategies that will help you get out there and get some stuff done for King Jesus, friend. Hallelujah. And let us know what you're doing. We love the feedback. It's enjoyable to hear those testimonies. And um, so, yeah, I think we've got another great lesson today on on the episode uh i forgot to look but i think we're like 132 33 133 something like that and it's been phenomenal friends thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and um we're looking forward to another great year ahead of us in 2023 oh thank you jesus for it all right let's get into this so i want to cover uh i want to do a refresher uh I'm doing this as much as for me as it is for you, but occasionally we need to be refreshed. You know, we're faith folks. The Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is a major component in our relationship with him, believing him. That's our work, actually. We're called believers for a reason. That's what we do. We believe. We were uniquely designed to be receptors. Notice we have eyes, ears, we have uh, touch, um, smell. All of our senses are designed to be on the receiving end for the most part. And, uh, you know, our eyes were designed to see something. Ears were designed to hear something. And so that's, that's why God set this thing up. He said, I just want you to believe. I'm going to reveal myself, and I want you to believe. And so we say, yes, Lord. We uh, will buckle down into our work. In fact, someone said, hey, what is it that we can do? What's our work to do this? How do we do these works Jesus said, your work is to believe. All right, so let's do a faith refresher today. And uh, in the time that we have here, let's see how far we can get. Praise the Lord. Faith is a force. Faith is a force. The Bible also says uh, that faith is a substance. Uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Um, and so, you know, as, as we're growing in faith, we can utilize faith faith intentionally that's the goal it's not just by happenstance if you recognize that you were a part of your work is to believe then you can utilize faith intentionally Uh, you can work with the lord faith cometh by hearing and so he wants to talk to you strategically in order to engage your belief you and i then begin working with him to accomplish his plans in and on the face of the earth Hallelujah. If you'll see it like that, it's phenomenal. It'll take your relationship to a whole nother level when he is intentionally working with you. You are the receptor necessary in order to work with him. And he's just as thrilled thrilled about it, hallelujah, as we are. 
So we want to develop our faith uh, to where it becomes an offensive strategy and not, it seems like, you, you, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't have the data to prove this, but it just seems like a lot of people use their faith kind of in a reserve, in a defensive sense. Like, you know, there's tragedy happens. We tried every, everything else, but, oh, no, nothing else works. So now we need to believe God. No, we want to be on the forefront where faith is actually our offensive strategy. Faith is not just our uh, get us out of a deep hole because we're in a chaotic mess strategy. So faith as a tool then, faith as a tool would allow us to harness the word of God and purposefully use it to accomplish his will in the earth. And we want to be skillful in the use of our faith. We want to use faith intentionally to agree with God. I already quoted that verse. It's in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible. That's right. Impossible is what the Bible says to please God. Now, I looked up that word please because I was curious, you know, what the Greek word there is. Translators translated it into English as the word please. Not bad, but maybe it's not complete. And so I looked it up and the word please is actually translated in other places as agreeable. And it has this idea of fully agreeable, meaning it's not resistant to, it agrees. And so we could say it like this, without faith, it is impossible to agree with God. Um, your belief is agreement. And that is a powerful combination. We could say this, without faith, it's impossible to align with God. Align, you know, if your body's out of, out of alignment, stuff doesn't work like it should everything's uh, positioned in such a place that it would work together in a synchronous, harmonious outworking here. But if there's disagreement, if there's something that's not in alignment, then uh, the output is not is going to be limited. And if you've ever had your physical body, you know, where something was wrongly adjusted, moved out of place or broken or whatever, you know, even a broken bone, they align it in order for the healing process to begin to work. Or, you know, if you're into chiropractic, then there are certain things that get shifted and they can get you back in alignment and suddenly you're like moving and walking better. Praise the Lord for that. So without faith, it is impossible to agree with him. Our faith works together with him in agreement. Romans 10, 17, everybody knows this, but we're refreshing ourselves. So then faith cometh by what? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Someone said it like this, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You don't have faith until you have heard. And we could, you know, using the definition of the word please, we could say, listen, you're really not in agreement until you actually have heard or understood what is being said. And where you're in a, uh, you are fully sober in the sense of you have control over your faculties and you say, you know what, I agree with that or I believe that. And that that's important. A lot of people, they're kind of, you're going 90 miles an hour and God's talking to you, but you're not really listening or you hear bits and pieces or parts and you don't really have the full thing. And so, you know what, you're really not in full agreement. We could say this too in light of that, that faith is actually an obedience. You know, if you know somebody in your life, you say, man, they're just a faith giant. Well, Yes, I mean, we understand what we're trying to say by that, but really what we should say is this, that, wow, that person is an obedience giant. <laughs> that person obeys. 
And if you're struggling in your faith, it really comes down to, this is not a negative or a slight on you in any way, but I'm saying if, if, if we do struggle in our faith, we have to ask ourselves, how obedient am I to the word that I heard? Faith is a belief. It is a belief. G- generically, practically speaking, faith is a strong confidence. It is a conviction. Faith is like a, 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 a total persuasion of a thing. But, but that equals an action. He said faith without works is dead. And so we're saying that really faith is an obedience to the word. God reveals something and we say, yes, so be it. I believe that. I'm going to obey it. I'm yielding to it. So faith giants like you and I, come on, just point, point a finger at yourself and say, I'm a faith giant. And so let's say this, because I obey quickly. I was listening to this message the other day and uh, the Lord brought brought something up to this particular gentleman. And I know it was particular to his situation, but I'm telling you, it just resonated in me. You know, it's one of those things that just leaped out of the phone. You know, the audio just boomed when I heard it. But the Lord was telling him that in order to sustain revival, it will require unprecedented instant obedience. I thought unprecedented instant obedience. You know, what, what's unprecedented mean? Well, maybe unprecedented to me or you, or it was unprecedented to him. Maybe he had this idea that delayed obedience was acceptable. <laughs> delayed obedience is disobedience. I mean, there's no other way to slice it. If you are putting a timeline to what God instructs you to, you to do, and you say, well, it's okay if I put it off for six months, uh, uh, it's probably going to be going to come back around to you that, you know what, your delay, your procrastination in that was actually rebellion. So in the working of faith, we connect this to faith. Our faith is going to really become strong and prominent when we cut out the delay, when we cut out the reasoning. You know, we delay could be caused because we're considering if what he said is viable to our situation. That's why maybe that idea of unprecedented instantaneous obedience, unprecedented instant obedience would probably in many ways, for most folk, revolutionize their spiritual life. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I mean, I'm pointing fingers at L. Justin here because um, there's areas that I want to cut out that, um, you know, rationalizing what I hear from the Lord. Like, why would I hear something out of the Spirit and then bring it up to my flesh and go, flesh, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? I'm telling you, my flesh never agrees. And I know that. Hallelujah. And so I have decided I'm going to stop bringing into the council room what my flesh thinks about the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody pray for me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So uh, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. You say, well, I just don't have any faith. Well, then you need to get the word of the Lord. Uh, maybe you're, you, you say, I'm struggling in my faith. Well, then you're struggling in your word. Uh, you need to go back and find out what he said. Once you know what he said, once you know what he said, then your faith will agree. And once there's agreement, once there's alignment, boom, then the force of faith begins to work. And then substance, because remember, the word always takes on flesh. That's what it was designed to do. His word is what I'm talking about. His word was designed to take on flesh. And when we get that alignment, when we get into alignment, Boom! Then the word begins to work, and 
and and and and we'll begin to see uh, faith put a substance to the framework of what God has revealed to us. Phenomenal, friends. Again, faith comes by hearing. So we need to make sure that we're in a place where we are hearing. The recreated spirit of man knows that God does not lie. Now, your natural mind, this word theories, reasonings, by the way, we also know that the mind is um, somehow, I don't fully have it figured well, I'll never figure it out. It'll have to be revealed to me. I don't have, I don't quite have the knowledge yet of how this is possible. But we know through through the scriptures that the mind, the mind of man, uh, by the way, is is a component. It's it's a utilized component of the recreated spirit. But but the Bible says in James that the soul, which is where the mind is, that it's coming unto salvation. It says. By the saving of the soul, the implanted word will save the soul. So it's being renewed. Now, unlike your spirit, which is instantly brand new, perfect, righteous, one with him, your soul is kind of brought along. So that soul area is susceptible to lies or other words, okay? But lies, we would call them maybe fiery darts. You've heard that, uh, maybe associated with that, like a fiery dart. It's a stray strategy. It's a thought that comes from out here. Now, if you're not watching me, you can't see, but I'm, I'm pointing to outside me. Like I'm talking about in the natural realm, outside here, um, incoming thoughts can come in. They're strategies, fiery darts, they're lies. Second uh, Corinthians 10, we see that here, that we're to cast down arguments. Another translation says to cast down imaginations. Uh, the Amplified says that we are to pull down, cast down theories, reasonings all these construct themselves against the knowledge of God or the revealed knowledge of God to you the enemy goes to work constructing an argument that will oppose anti it will oppose it is strategically designed to oppose or to resist the word of the Lord and so we know that that can come into the mind but in the mind is where kind of the struggle is but out of your spirit, you are never in question. Your spirit, man, knows that God does not lie. Your spirit is one with him. In your spirit is where the mind of Christ is. Your born-again spirit lights up on your mind. But see, what else lights up on your mind is these outside catalytic things. It could be the voice of the enemy. It could be the voice of your mom, your dad, your friend, your neighbor. All these words come into your mind, your brain processes stuff, and it constructs responses to it. This is why we got to be watchful about what we allow our mind to meditate. Uh, the word meditate, like um, from Joshua, uh, is a Hebrew word, hagah, uh, which is translated imagination in other places, but um, it has a really deep, phenomenal meaning. But when you're sitting there meditating something, you are allowing catalysts okay you're like, like building blocks you are allowing us that imagination of yours the thought space you are allowing it to construct based on input a particular vision or concept or response or action you got to be watchful what's in there because your mind was designed to crunch this stuff and to give command to your physical body but 
your the command to your physical body is based on what is being constructed in the mind and whether or not your mind is the derivative of a, of your spirit wisdom information insight utterance knowledge light coming up out of your spirit or if you've allowed outside things listen you know if you think about like um oh what's the technical word i don't know but if you think about the border of a country and they have these gates and they have these passageways where a car comes up in there and they check your passport and your papers and they find out what why are you coming in like there's a border crossing here if, if you can imagine that you have gates on your mind and you need to be aware of what's coming in things may try and sneak into your mind maybe via what you're watching maybe via what you're hearing maybe through false counsel bad counsel maybe through some sort of you know strategy fiery thought a stray thought a vain a vain 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 imagination several things but you want to you know kind of crack down you want to buckle down you want to lock down these gateways and do an inspection before you just allow something to come in to your mind hallelujah because what what we want is to create a space for the word of the lord he wants to work with us the bible says in romans that a mind full a full mind of carnality is an enemy to god listen if your mind is full with just earthly sensual um carnal things there's not very much room for spiritual things spirit and the flesh they're uh contrary to one another they don't it's like oil and water they don't mix well so you want to put gates you want to be aware over what are you allowing in all that is is seeding you you understand your your mind becomes a seed seed bed for something either unction out of your spirit the revealed word of god or some devilish strategy or just some crazy foolish talk from somebody, someone, somewhere. You don't want your mind to produce, to imagine, to meditate on, and then kick back vision, set GPS course, and give command to your physical body to go do something crazy. All right, so we took the scenic route there. All to say this, that your recreated spirit knows that God does not lie. And when he speaks to you, you know exactly that it's the truth. Hallelujah. In fact, the spirit of man, the spirit of man, um, knows exactly who God is. All spirits know exactly who God is. Let me share this, share this with you really quick. There's a friend of mine, and he had this spiritual encounter. I'm going to really condense this story. I'm not going to go into any of the backstory. But uh, anyways, he got caught up into this very devilish place. It was some outer place of hell and there was these demons that were that had a hold of him and uh anyways at some point he he just cried out to the lord and the lord god responded now he didn't show up in in that setting but from like his place from his seated place of authority this booming word of the lord came and he said, as, as these demon spirits had a hold of his arms, and they were dragging him up this stairway, stairway, he said, as soon as the word of the Lord came, he said, it just like boomed into that environment. And every demon spirit there began to cower and shake. And he said, one of them spoke up and said, that's God talking. Listen, every spirit knows when God speaks, and they know that it's the voice of the creator 
every spirit knows. It's the voice of the judge almighty. Every spirit knows that it is the final word. It is the truth. I'm, I said all that to, uh, again, reinforce that your spirit knows. Listen, when you hear the word of God, your, I'm talking in, in particularly, you know, because you, you are desiring to hear. But I'm saying when the word of the Lord comes to you, when it's revealed to you, your spirit knows the voice. In fact, it says that um, I know the voice of my shepherd and I will not follow the voice of a stranger. Now, you follow the voice of strangers up here in the mental or the natural realm, the soulish realm or the fleshy realm. That's, that's where you follow strangers. But I'm saying if you're born again, even if you're not born again, if the Almighty were, were to talk to you, every spirit knows that voice and they know that it's true. Let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. This is important because you don't struggle believing God in the spirit. You don't struggle there. Uh, look at this. Turn, turn in your Bibles here. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Go to Romans. Romans chapter 7. And in Romans 7, 22. Now, this is Paul. He's born again. He says, I delight in the law of God. We could, we could say the word of God. I delight in the word of God according to the inward man. Listen, when God wants to speak to you, he doesn't speak to your elbow. He, God is a spirit. And if we could summarize why Jesus came, it's so that we could be born again, born again as spirits that were right unto him so that we could worship him in spirit and in truth. He didn't want us to worship in buildings and on mountaintops. Remember when Jesus met the woman at the well and there was all that conflict of, no, you got to worship here, you got to worship there. No, no, no. Uh, Jesus came so that a way could be made before the Father and we would be able to worship him in spirit as he is spirit. Uh, we are born of the spirit is what, is what the Bible says. And so it's like there is an intimacy that is available now because we are born of him. That would not have been possible uh, any other way. And so that's what the Father wants. And now that we're born again, he's going to take advantage of, of the fact that now he can commune with us in spirit. He's not going to talk to your uh, body in particularly because there's a spiritual condition associated with it right now called mortality unto death. He's not communicating. He is life. He's not communicating with dead things. Uh, the things the the uh, The thing that is propping up your physical body right now that has mortality associated with it is the spirit of life that's on the inside of you. Isn't that what Romans says? If the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. If your spirit was to leave this physical body, disconnect from this physical body, your physical body would be dead. Why? Because mortality associated with it. You understand? And there's other spiritual implications to that mortality. So there's limitations to the flesh because of mortality. Um. Anyways, that's not the point of my message, but I'm saying that in your spirit, man, up from your spirit, man, you believe God. When God talks to you, he speaks to your spirit. Proverbs says that the, your spirit is the lamp of the Lord, meaning he will illuminate your spirit when he's communicating with you. And the more that we grow in tune, the, the more that be, we become uh, uh, proficient, the more we trust that. Just the stronger, um, the stronger it gets. And so uh, out of the spirit. So faith cometh by hearing 
Romans says we believe where? Well, you don't believe with the mind. You don't believe with the mind. You agree with the mind. You don't believe with the mind. You don't believe with the physical body. The physical body is the do part. It receives the command to do whatever the word of the Lord is. And Paul said that has to be brought into subjection. The body becomes a slave. Paul called it a tent. And I need my tent, and I need it in good shape. I'm not going to abuse it. Um, And this language is not about abusing your physical body. There's some crazy religious groups that 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 like cut themselves they whip themselves all that that is nonsense you need your physical body but what we're saying metaphorically is you you subject it through hardship meaning you force it to obey what what's coming up out of the spirit that's where the word of the lord comes that's where the spirit of the lord speaks that's where enlightenment that's where illumination is that lights up on your mind. Your mind has to be renewed. It has to be trained to agree with the unction coming up out of your spirit. Once it agrees with the unction coming up out of your spirit, your mind issues, uh, your mind tells your brain, hey, I want you to give the impulse to my physical body to now put the work to my belief. Hallelujah. You see the sequence or the order of events there? So we believe with the heart. That comes there. When God speaks, our spirit knows exactly what to do. Just like Paul said here, he said, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But he see, but then he says, I see another law in my members that fights against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So he said a whole lot there, but what he said what I just said. He said, The truth comes up from within. I hear God and I want to do it. So I say, all right, mine, I want you to agree with the word of the Lord so that you can give the command to my physical body. He says, well, I see a law of the mind because the mind has to agree with it. Your mind has to be renewed to agree with the truth or it won't. If if you don't train it to agree with the unction that comes up out of your spirit, it, it only has one other thing to agree with, and that's the flesh. And I'm... The Galatians says the flesh is at enmity with your spirit. It is contrary to your spirit. It doesn't want to do what your spirit wants to do. And in Galatians, let's let's just turn there, Galatians 5. Uh, Here it is, Galatians 5. I say then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Notice he didn't bring the mind in here because the mind is a derivative of one or one or one or the other of these realms or realities. There's a spiritual reality that's within. Then there's the natural physical one that's without. The mind is kind of in between these two, and it's getting impulses from the natural. It's getting impulses from your spirit, and it's got to choose to agree with one or the other. And uh, because you're born again. You have the strength to say, I'm going to renew my mind, and it's not going to agree with the flesh. I, I, I mean, we're not denying that's not getting natural impulse or natural insight data through your natural senses, but you've got to develop and train your mind, renew your mind to disregard that stuff if it contradicts what's coming up in your spirit. He says, if you don't, 
And if you go with the flesh, you're going to do what you don't want to do because you are a spirit. And you're, and you're going to sit there, and if you go with the flesh, you're going to go, man, I know this is wrong, but I'm doing it anyways because you let your mind agree with it contrary to the law of God or the word of God that came up out of your spirit because that's where God is, and he told you don't do that or do this. But your flesh says, eh, I don't care about that. Because it, it, it doesn't agree with the word of the Lord. Your flesh doesn't. Your flesh doesn't. Hallelujah, somebody. So we got to develop being quick. So how do you renew your mind? By obeying. This is why the word of the Lord said unprecedented, instantaneous obedience. You start obeying the unction that comes out of your spirit. Guess what? That flesh is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. Your spirit, man, the your your uh, mind will become so full of spiritual things because you've trained your mind to focus on and prioritize what's coming up out of your spirit. Uh, instant obedience will uh, shorten that that development process. You know, people talk about spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity. You know, yet twenty five more years. Listen, you will never mature if you constantly inquire of the flesh. And if you bring the flesh in there and say, yeah, you know, the Bible says this, but what do you think, flesh? Your flesh is going to go, oh, man, I, man, I, man, I want to go do what makes me feel good. What does the flesh want to do? Well, the flesh wants to do this. Here's a short list of what the flesh wants to do. It wants to lie. The flesh wants to commit adultery. The flesh wants to fornicate. The flesh wants to wallow in uncleanness. This is the short list. These are the works of the flesh. Remember this, Galatians 5? The flesh loves lewdness. Uh, this is why I like pornography. Um, uh, let's see, what's, what's, what's the, there's another word I'm thinking of here. Um, I mean, pornography would maybe just be straight up nudity and, and sexual activity. Why, why is the flesh sometimes crave that? Because the flesh lusts after the flesh. We're not saying it lusts after sexual things. That's included. But it loves all things flesh. And so this is why, you know, everybody flaunting all their stuff. That is a work of the flesh because the flesh craves flesh. It craves flesh. We're not talking about cannibalism here. I mean, they're, they're, that's way out there extreme. There are people that are crazy like, like that. That's, I mean, that's devilish. Um, but the flesh loves all things natural, 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 fleshy, 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 fleshy. So th these are just outworkings of the flesh. Idolatry, that's a work of the flesh. Listen, if you let the flesh do what it wants to do, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says it doesn't have a mind for spiritual things. It, it is not automatically going towards the spirit. It, it doesn't understand that. It's dead. It has mortality associated with it. It, it only knows the natural. It, anything at all that it gets would be an impulse from your mind, the command to obey the spirit. And even then, it doesn't want to. It will never want to. Your flesh will never agree. This is why you don't even ask. You don't ask for its opinion. Paul said you discipline it. You bring it under. Another place he said you crucify it, meaning you don't kill your body. If you do something to your physical body and you damage its natural workings, you're not hanging around the earth. Your spirit's going to be ejected and uh, you're going to be present with the Lord. He doesn't mean to kill the flesh in that sense. 
He says, you crucify its cravings. If it has a desire, you crucify it. You, you do not indulge its opinions. It's contrary. doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's recognizing. Paul said he recognized this law that was associated with his members, his physical body. It's just always going to crave stuff, and so you don't give it to it. And slowly you begin to starve it, and that voice begins to get less and less and less. Once you stop adding the flesh to the counsel where you go for counsel, that gets weaker and weaker and weaker, and your spirit gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and your mind is being renewed and trained that I only obey the unction from my spirit. I don't obey the unction from the flesh. What else does the flesh desire? Like if you were just going to let it live for a day, uh, sorcery, uh, hatred, contention, jealous. The flesh is jealous. If you were going to let your flesh live, like if you said, hey, um, I'm trying to map out my next week. So, hey, flesh, uh, what do you want to do? Here's what your flesh is going to say. Well, I'm going to be jealous this week. Uh, I'm going to be lewd. Uh, I'm going to go around and commit adultery. See, the flesh knows it does not know the law of God. It is under, it's only redeemed because your spirit is born again. And it experiences a freedom only when your spirit is dominant. What, what else does your flesh do? It, it enjoys your flesh. Now, not your spirit because you're grieved. If you let your flesh do something, you, because you are a spirit, you are grieved. And the Holy Ghost is greed because he's on the inside of you. What else is the flesh like? It loves to outburst in wrath. I mean, dude, the flesh will just cut somebody up. Just cut them, cut them. It'll cut them down. It'll mock them, ridicule them, and feel good about it. What else? Oh, it's selfish, selfish ambition. If you let your flesh live, or if you say, hey, flesh, what do you think is uh, a good idea here? He'll say, yeah, ambition, and be selfish about it. Climb that ladder and step on whoever you need to. Cut their throat. That's what your flesh will say. And if you let your flesh do a thing that is contrary to your spirit, on the inside, you're going, oh, man, I'm grieved. I'm grieved over that. Yeah, of course you are because it's contrary to the spirit. And you know it's wrong because the law of God is written on your heart. And you know that what you let your flesh do was totally against God. Well, praise God that he's merciful, and he says, repent over that. Get that body back under subjection. Judge that as sin, and renew your mind to no longer allow it to do that. What else? Dissensions. I wish I had the, amp the Amplified because it, it, it really breaks these words down. Heresies. Your flesh in and of itself is a heretic. <laughs> it is not orthodox, friends. Your flesh is nasty. This is, why it, this is why it has to be put under. That has to be disciplined. That has to be crucified. Hallelujah. What else? Um, envious. It's murderous. Well, that's because it's selfish. It only thinks of itself. It, it, it would kill your flesh, would kill somebody in a heartbeat. Why don't you go around murdering people? Because you're born again. And on the inside of you, the love of God is coming out. And that love should dominate you. You need to agree more with love than with hate. Hallelujah. What else? Drunk, drunkenness. Um, you hear you hear, hear hear these stories about ministers, even. 
or maybe you know somebody, maybe they're not a minister, but, but you thought, man, these people are spiritually mature. How in the world could they go over here and have an affair on their wife? I just walked through that with a minister is the craziest thing. I, I'm, I, I'm thinking, what in the world? What in, what in the world? Well, he, he inquired of the flesh. His flesh did not want to honor the covenant of marriage with his wife. And if you ask the flesh too many times, if you inquire the flesh too many times, you know, the flesh was telling this brother, hey, this girlfriend over here is so much better than your wife. Well, if you follow that for very long, guess what? Even good people, even born again people will do stupid stuff. Why? Because that's the work of the flesh. Your spirit is grieved though. I mean, I have to think this, this brother's grieved. Oh my God. If he's not grieved, over what he's done, then his conscience has been seared. Hallelujah. And you don't want to track that. But this is why I'm saying, you see, you hear these stories of ministers that make mistakes. Listen, it, um, you know, if you let your flesh live for a day, it doesn't sever you from the love of God. God still loves you. And if you're born again, you can recover. Uh, there may be consequences in the natural. You, you set things in motion in the natural, it may take a while to um, it may take a while to recover. You know, I'm thinking of Galatians where it says, if you sow to the flesh, what's it say? If you sow to the flesh, you will reap what? Destruction. Why? Because the flesh wants to do all this stuff here. But he says, if you sow to the spirit, well, what's he talking about? What spirit? If you sow to your spirit, if you'll invest in that, you'll reap life. Zoe, I mean, there will be the overwhelming presence of God and miracles and all kinds of stuff happening in your life when you give yourself to developing your spirit. But if you let your flesh live for a day, friend, you're going to do something stupid. I mean, any of us, anybody, anybody, anybody. Now, some people have so developed their spirit, man, that it would take a long time. I mean, the devil would have to hammer away. Your flesh would really have to hammer away to get you to make some major stupid decision like having an affair on your wife. But, you know, and this brother didn't do that. He didn't wake up one day and accidentally do that. Uh, it was a progression of not taking thoughts captive. He, he let his mind agree with lust, um, you know, fantasies about, you know, being mistreated here, being loved here. You know, he allowed the lies of the enemy. You know, I, I don't know exactly what all happened, but I'm saying this is a typical scenario here. Nobody, nobody wakes up one day and goes, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go have an affair on my wife. The command for that action to take place was the result of entertaining contrary ideas to the spirit. And um, in that sense, man, it's a tragic thing. It's, you know, you can recover, but what I'm saying is you, there are things that are set in motion in the natural, uh, man, that would, can really diminish things. And so, you know, when, when you hear somebody make a stupid decision, Galatians says, you know, you, those of you who are spiritual work with that person of spiritual gentleness, knowing that you yourselves could be tempted. And what's he saying? That same action um, you know, we talked about, you know, having an affair, you know, let's dial it back. Let's just say, you know, you just had a night of drunkenness or, you know, maybe you fell back into 
a sin that you uh, were um, kind of habitual in before you were born again. Um, you know, it could be lying or you stole something or, you know, you, you know, you did, you know, you took some sort of intoxicating substance or something, or maybe you looked at something that you didn't need to, you, you were somewhere you didn't need to be. You entertain something. What I'm saying is, um, he, he said, those of you who are spiritual, you need to restore these ones. Their salvation isn't lost. They're not, not saved because they indulged in the flesh, but they said, restore this person, but do it in a spirit of gentleness because you yourselves, all that is in your flesh right now too. Uh, and if you were to let it live for a day, you would do the same thing. And so he's saying, when you restore people, you need to take that into consideration. You and I could also begin to entertain things of the flesh and do something contrary to the spirit. Um, again, I just, I'm kind of I, I want to belabor this be, because I want you to know that um, you can develop yourself so strong in the spirit that these temptations are so nominal, meaning the temptation is not that elusive to you, or, or um, I'm sorry, is not that enticing to you. But if, but if you go, well, what, what if? Now, see, that's a, that's a dangerous slope. You don't want to give your mind the permission to even entertain the scenario of going and having a drunken party. Don't even think. The Bible says, don't allow your mind to be full because I'm telling you, once your mind agrees that that's a good idea, then the, the command is issued to go do. That's what I'm saying. Your thought space, you need to protect it. You know, at some point, this brother agreed that having an affair on his wife was a good idea. And then the command was given to his physical body to go and do. You and I are, are, are one bad meditation, one bad imagination, uh, you know, I, I mean, over a process of time of allowing these thoughts to hang around in our mind. Hang around, hang around, hang around. If you don't cast that thought down and you go, well, I don't know. I hadn't been drunk in a while. You know, I don't know. Maybe stealing that, it's not a bad idea. You know, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe doing a little druggy drug on the side, uh, is that going to hurt anybody? You know, you know, whatever the case is here. You know, I don't know. My wife has been mean. My husband's been a jerk. Maybe hanging around some dudes, you know, that tell me sweet nothings is appropriate. If you allow your mind to hang out on that kind of stuff, there will be a day when your mind agrees with it. And all of a sudden, your body now has received the command. And of course, your flesh is going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh man, this is going to be awesome because it's contrary to the laws of God. All right, let's get back on this faith thing here. So, out of your spirit, out of your spirit, you do not argue with God in your spirit. Um, now we should say this, that contrary to some teachings that are out there, faith is not a self-generating magical force or power or ability that is of us, um, or of some other being somewhere. Like you can't buy faith. Like there's no demon peddling faith, right? 
um, hey, I got a discount on faith. You need a little extra faith. I'll sell you a little bit. No, you can't get it. It faith, faith is embedded in God and God's word. And that's why we were saying faith comes by hearing. You know, when you hear something in the receptivity of that, in the illumination of that, because remember your spirit does not question God, your spirit, the born again spirit knows the voice of its shepherd and it doesn't follow a stranger. It can, it is uh, very astute in knowing the difference between the voice of the shepherd and the voice of a stranger. It's up here in the mind sometimes where we've entertained so many voices, other ideas, other words, other thoughts, that in the mind sometimes we're not able to differentiate. But in the spirit, you're born again. You're one with him. Your spirit has the mind of Christ. You know his voice and you don't argue. And so faith comes. Belief comes. When you hear God's word, your spirit knows exactly what to do. And it instantly goes to work going, I believe that. Hallelujah. You don't doubt God in the heart. You might doubt him up here in the mind. And that's that's because there's other constructed arguments that are trying to counter the word of the Lord every time. It's just here in the mind where you have to navigate this. And we're developing, becoming quick to obey what's coming up out of our spirit with no argument. Hallelujah. Uh, let's see here. Again, faith is not some self-generating thing on the inside of us. We're gifted. Hallelujah. Every time the Lord speaks, we're energized to just rise up in faith. Matthew 19, 26, it says, with men, this is impossible. And he's referring to a particular situation, but principally he's saying in the natural realm, there's a lot of impossibilities. But with God, hallelujah, he said, all things are possible. And that's the key here. With God, true faith is always with God. And that's the way the Father wanted it. Some people say, just have faith and you can do anything. Well, that's not true, is it? Because true faith is with God. Now, there's a version of faith out here in the world. They, they talk faith. They have a faith message. There's a faith doctrine out here. And they say that if you just have faith, you, you, if you just had faith, you could do anything. Well, that's not exactly true. With God, all things are possible. Without God, not all things are possible. So true faith is an assurance. It is a confidence. True faith is a belief that steadies us. It empowers us to become unwavering and fully convinced in what God has revealed. It is a rooting force. True faith is a rooting, rooting, get you rooted and grounded. It is a grounding force that is a byproduct of our spirit receiving revelation and communication from the Father of lights, the Father of spirits, the Heavenly Father himself. Faith comes or is energized by hearing, fellowshipping, and communing with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Again, faith is not a generic, standalone, self-existing, and obtainable or purchasable power that has influence on things or life. That's, that's not what faith is. People think they, they can acquire faith out here and, they, and, and, and they'll just believe harder. They can get whatever they want. They can accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. That's not exactly what faith is. Again, this is true because 
faith is faith is because of God. Faith is because you heard him. Faith is because you know him. Faith is because he is inside of you and part of you. Let's close here. We're about out of time on our podcast today. But let's close with this thought. Faith is not of the mind. And I said this earlier as we begin to talk about maybe the, um, the process by which we um, are coming to conclusions. How, how do you give command to your physical body to do whatever it is you've been doing? Well, we talked about that. But faith is not of the mind. Romans 10.10, 10, for with the heart one believes. We said this, faith is of the heart. In the spirit, there is no struggle to believe. You do not struggle with God there. Remember when uh, Jesus came upon the man and he had a son who was having these epileptic fits. Turns out it was uh, this uh, issue he had was a spirit of infirmity. And uh, so, you know, the disciples, they couldn't deal with this situation. That's a whole phenomenal story in and of itself. But the point is Jesus got involved in the situation and the father said to him, I believe, help my unbelief. This is where you and I are because on the inside, we delight according to the law of God. He's illuminated something. We are not struggling in our heart or in our spirit because that's where he illuminated it and it is in agreement there. But when it comes up, when it lights up on the mind, because the mind has to agree in order to give command to the physical body. And this is where the father was struggling. He needed to steady himself. He needed to get himself planted. He needed to be able to stand. And once he's done all stand, but his mind wasn't given the command yet. And he said, Jesus, I believe he had revelation here on the inside, but he needed some, he was saying, but help me. I need to steady my, my mind needs to get settled on this and agree so that it'll give the command in my body. This is where a lot of us are. This is why it is well worth whatever the time investment is required to get over into the spirit. When you have clear vision, when you have a very articulate image, articulated image, when you have a very uh, strong imagination, uh, then your mind uh, is a little more apt to give that agreement and then issue that command for oh, to obey. Um, so meditating with him, staying with him, communing with him, uh, all helps. And really, at the end of the day, that was Jesus's response because the disciples asked him about the situation later. And uh, Jesus said, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Now, I don't believe Jesus was referring to the demon spirit uh, because we have been given authority over all those spirits. And that's that was demonstrated, I don't know, in how many different stories in, in and around this one. Uh, you don't have to pray and fast for the authority over demons. But what Jesus said, because the disciples said, how come we couldn't do this? And, he's, and he said, because of your lack of faith or the doubt that was present. Fasting and praying will position you into a place where you can commune and fellowship with him. And when you become strong on his word, well, guess what? Then there's going to be, it's, it's not going to be hard at all 
to issue, to have that agreement in the soul and to issue the command to stand in what you heard from the Lord. You don't have to fast and pray to get authority. You need to fast and pray some sometimes to get settled on what he told you. You need to fast and pray sometimes to get settled on who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to fast and pray some, sometimes to get doubt out. Hallelujah. Sometimes fasting and praying is concentrated time where your mind comes into agreement with what you know the Lord is saying. Hallelujah. Um, Brother Hagin said this, that before he would ask the Lord for anything, he would spend time praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. Hallelujah. Uh, that's a gift. And or worshiping. He would spend time praying in tongues or worshiping in order to shift over into a mindfulness of the spirit. Listen, he had to say, look, I got, and this is what prayer and fasting does. Get you over here to where you're not thinking about food, clothes, what somebody said, your work, your job. You're not, you, you're not allowing your mind to become full on just these natural things. I'm not saying they're all bad, but, but, but it, if that's what your, your mind is full on, you're giving yourself the time and the space, the consecration and the concentration to better get your mind full on spiritual things. Once your mind gets full of the Word of God, catalytic is the Bible. You don't, just, you don't go into this space without the Word. You go in here with the Word, and you say, mind, we're going to fill up on this. We're going to focus on this. We're concentrating on this. We're going to get full of this. And when your mind becomes full, your mind doesn't struggle with agreement. It's when you allow these other things, these other factors and your mind goes, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. You're going to choke all that out with the word. Hallelujah. You're going to get the word in there and your mind's going to come to that place of agreement. And once it agrees, it issues command. And you're going to come out of there, I'm telling you, full of faith. Hallelujah. Steadfast, unmovable or immovable. <laughs> Not able to be moved. Standing strong because now you are, you have the command issued to your body. Your mind is in agreement. And your spirit man is dominant. So, Brother Hagin, he would say, I'm going to pray in tongues or I'm going to worship. I'm going to get my mind focused on him. And he would do that before he would go inquire of the Lord or ask for something or petition for something. He said that when he would do this, he always had his prayers answered. Again, in the spirit, there's no struggle to believe or to receive your spirit. Knows God never lies. The struggle is in the mindfulness of the natural realm. Faith is not intellectual, friends. Faith is of the heart. Faith is not natural sense knowledge. Faith is not natural understanding. Hallelujah. Now, let me give you a functioning definition as we bring this to a close. I better start my music to make sure we close today. Hallelujah. Faith is a firm belief. It is a complete trust. True faith is a confidence that connects you to the power and ability of God to do something on your behalf. Hallelujah. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. Today is our faith refresher. I hope it has encouraged you. Listen, if we can agree with you in prayer, if we can join our faith with you, there are several ways you can reach out to us. You can send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Listen, all these prayer requests, they go into our prayer team. Uh, they're confidential. And they pray over them. And we unite our faith with yours. Hallelujah. 
Listen, I want to say thank you to those who have contributed financially to the podcast. Several ways you can do that. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give, or you can text the give 84321. That's 84321. Follow the prompts or you can mail a check PO Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas 72602. Listen, we're so thankful. Thank you for paying it forward, friends. Oh, we're so grateful. Uh, and then pray for us. That's my second request. Would you pray for us? That's my first request is actually prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just join us in, in, in prayer. The podcast will get where it needs to go. Okay, my friends, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, be blessed.